honesty, passion, experience. It's Timberwolves Explosion, hosted on thesportstuff.com. And now, your host, Paladino Joey. Logan Timberwolves fans, are you ready for the explosion of Timberwolves basketball? I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Wygen. Timberwolves Explosion is available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Double Twist. One day we will have a network of our own or join another. But at the moment, this show is a free agent. I'm a free agent, just like Marbury once said back in 09. Well, back in 2009, the Minnesota Timberwolves hired President of Basketball Operations David Kahn. Yeah, that didn't work out too good. We wind up with Flip Saunders years later, four years later. That was awesome. And uh, and then, unfortunately, his untimely death only two and a half years later led us to Thomas Tom Thibodeau, president and coach, which I think a lot of us would agree now there needs to be a separation from coach and front office. Separation of coach and front office. The Minnesota Timberwolves earlier this week officially named... Gerson Rosas, President of Basketball Operations for the Minnesota Timberwolves. So indeed, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves heading into yet another era, a new President of Basketball Operations yet again. You go from Mikhail to Khan to, uh, <laughs> again, we already said all those, to Flip again. Well, Flip, yeah, interesting, man. Interesting situation with that. Um, I'm going to play a soundbite from Jim Peterson here in a couple minutes where he basically had the same idea I did years ago, which would have been, I think, much better for the Timberwolves in the past. But, well, the past is the past, and there's nothing they can do about that now. Uh, Gerson Rosas, though, very intriguing uh, option here. Of course, I didn't even mention him as one of the candidates on the previous episode. I do apologize. As he emerged when they announced the four finalists, and I was like, huh, who's that guy? I look him up, and then it's like probably the most overall qualified candidate, I would say, age of 40, Houston Rockets, uh, he'd basically moved up, he's basically had every job, video coordinator, vice president of basketball, assistant GM, this and that, yeah, but he had already moved up to vice president of basketball operations behind Mr. Morey there in Houston, the mad scientist, they call him, nine billion three-pointers, all that, basically more (laughs) three-pointers, it's unbelievable, more three-pointers than any team by far, which is crazy, in fact, the the gap, the margin of three points attempted for the Houston Rockets actually was a bigger margin than the attempted shots by Steph Curry in a, in a season. So that's pretty insane. And Steph Curry's a season where he had the most attempts. So pretty crazy when you sit down and analyze that. So we will expect some more three-point shots. We will expect a much more modern style game from Gerson Rosas. He is the first Latino-born uh, president of basketball operations, overall basketball boss of a franchise out of Columbia, but basically grew up in uh, Houston, Texas area. So he'd pretty much been home. It's like Joey Awajan from Golden Valley, Minnesota. Grew up in Golden Valley and, well, where am I now? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden getting a job in Louisiana or Utah or something. That'd be pretty crazy. So it's going to be an interesting change. Uh, You can hear a little mix of an accent. You can hear a little teeny Latino in there, but you can hear a lot of Texas as well in Gerson Rosas' voice. Very professional. uh, Only 40 years of age, which is good. People talk about how he was 18 years with the Houston Rockets. Why didn't he move up? Well, he did move up, though. I mean, he kept moving up. Isn't that the whole point? He moved up? Isn't that the American dream? Going from 
like basically like an unpaid person, basically all the way up to like basically an intern. He became a scout, video coordinator, blah blah blah. Moved up into the front office and ultimately higher and higher into the front office, and now getting a top job with another franchise. Uh, he did get the general manager role, and take that as is because general manager in the NBA can be anything. It could be the number two guy. It could be the number three guy. It could be the number one guy. His titles kind of vary in the NBA. President of basketball operations, generally speaking, though, when that position exists on a team, is the guy. And that's the case here. Kevin McHale was often referred to as the vice president of basketball operations because they considered Glenn Taylor the president of basketball, which is a frightening thought during the uh, McHale era. But we'll digress from that once again. Uh, (laughs) Gives you chills, doesn't it? Uh, Also, some other thoughts as well where things might have if things were flip-flopped, it could have been better. Flip-flopped, pun intended. <clears throat> pun intended at that one. You get the idea, maybe. Um, but no, uh, Gerson Rosas, again, will bring a more modern-style game, more analytics. There will be more three-point shots attempted. I liked uh, what he said about Andrew Wiggins. As This is a really big take here that was brought up during... This was the Chad Hartman interview. As he... Yeah, I'll get a, I'll get my thoughts on the press conference here in a second. It's like so much to say at once here. You get excited, you want to get going. But the Chad Hartman interview after the press conference, because the press conference was about basically a whole lot of nothing. <clears throat> Chad Hartman interview, the point is uh, he was basically saying that Andrew Wiggins is going to enjoy playing basketball again. He wants Andrew Wiggins to enjoy playing basketball again. And well, some of you might look at that and roll your eyes like, really? He doesn't enjoy playing basketball, making 30 plus million a year, uh, living the dream. You get to be an NBA star, potentially. <laughs> Potential, right? And, well, you know, why wouldn't that be the case? Well, maybe the Tom Thibodeau era messed it up. Maybe certain players on the team messed it up. This and that. Andrew Wiggins, I thought his first two years in the league enjoyed the hell out of basketball. I thought he loved his rookie year. I thought he was loving the game. He was flying around. He had a little bit of Dominique Wilkins in him. That spin uh, that spin move to attack in the basket and dunking and getting hot in the fourth quarter. Clutch. And then he brought it into the next year with Carl Anthony Towns. His shot attempts was... It dropped off a bit. He wasn't the number one option. I, for some reason, just some people, it bugs them. It hurts them a little bit. And then he became a guy who was just basically over in the corner when you brought in uh, Mr. Jimmy Butler. And I knew he would hurt Andrew Wiggins. I knew it. I was afraid of that. The day that Jimmy Butler was traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves, I knew that would be a problem. You also sit down and think about, remember when uh, Zach Levine got hurt, how Andrew Wiggins kind of took off there as well. And it's like, you're not rooting for people getting hurt. It's just there's only one basketball, right? So that's kind of the issue sometimes with Andrew Wiggins. He improved his defense on occasion last year. And in the later stages of the season, you saw him be more aggressive. Him being Andrew Wiggins, driving to the hoop and all that. So, I mean, there's hope. And if this offense, the new offense with Ryan Saunders, if he is ultimately the head coach as they collaborate, that's basically the number one theme you get out of Gershon Rosas is there's going to be a lot of collaborating, a lot of family and collaboration. It's going to be a family. Welcome to the family here on Timberwolves Mafia. <laughs> Some of you that may be Purple Mafia show fans, that's a little nudge at that one. But basically, it'll be like a Timberwolves Mafia, so to speak. There'll be a family. They'll all work together. The, the assistant GM, the GM, if it's Scott Layden or not, if he's an assistant GM, if he's a scout, a head scout, a dishwasher... Floor mopper making $2 million a year is $2 million. So even if he's mopping floors, he's still making $2 million a year. So 
or if they make him a scout, which is, again, another nudge at another soundbite we'll be playing later in the show from the Courtside podcast. Oh. <laughs> but no, the whole point, again, is that there's going to be collaboration. People are going to be working together. Carl Anthony Towns seems pretty excited. Andrew Wiggins, again, if you can get Andrew Wiggins to enjoy the game, you got to think his confidence will go up again. And we're going to eliminate some of that long two bull crap, which, again, was a problem forever with Andrew Wiggins. It's almost like, see, Andrew Wiggins got more and more desperate when he got the ball. That seemed to be the problem. He got more and more desperate, like, okay, I finally got the ball now. It's not Jimmy or Carl. So I'm going to make a couple little dribbles. I'm going to make a little halfway spin. I'm going to kind of hoist it up and miss. But I love my shot. I love it. Yeah, but again, that was kind of the problem with Andrew Wiggins. He became a bit of a black hole because he got so desperate. Like, give me the bleeping ball, Jimmy Butler, who never passes. Well, only when he feels like it. And uh, that was the case there. Um, So if Andrew Wiggins can enjoy the game again, maybe keep working on that catch-and-shoot three, which I think would be huge, especially from the corner there. It'd be a big deal. Uh, The analytics and the shot charts and the percentages all over the league. Call it analytics, call it charts, call it whatever. But the left corner shot from Andrew Wiggins is legit. Everywhere else on the floor is, well, you just rhyme it with legit and start with a SH, and that's about it. It was pretty bad. So that was kind of the case there with Andrew Wiggins' shot chart. Uh, The left corner three, excellent. Excellente. Uh, Upper 40%, even low 50s. That's excellent stuff, man. So that's the good news there. Carl Anthony Towns, again, you want him to enjoy the game. You want him to enjoy the city. You want him to stay here forever. He's got the big contract, but the clock's ticking, just like every other star in the NBA. Yeah, you got your big contract, your first huge max contract, but two or three years into it, you might start hearing a little bit of, uh, yeah, you know, L.A. is kind of a nice. It's kind of nice. Uh, Miami, hmm. It's humid in the summer and nasty, but hmm, it's kind of a... Kind of a rocking place sometimes. As uh, long as you don't mind Pat Riley too much, right? <laughs> San Antonio Spurs. Let's go work with Popovich. He might be the coach until he's Sid Hartman's age. Uh, he might be. I think so. I think he might be the Sid Hartman of uh, NBA coaches. I think it's heading that way. <laughs> I think so. Um, maybe Utah. It's kind of a <laughs> it's beautiful scenery anyway. Uh, <laughs> interesting uniforms and beautiful scenery. Who knows? Or New York City, you know, and if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. There's all kinds of stuff like that that happens with these star players that get frustrated when the team is not going in the right direction. They're stagnating, they're plateauing, or they're even, like, regressing. And that's really devastating when you get to be 24, 25, and you look down the road four or five years, and it's like, are we going to even be better four or five years from now when I'm 29 years old? Like, screw that. So that's basically the fear that comes with most stars in this league if your team isn't already uh, soaring like eagles like the Milwaukee Bucks right now with uh, the Greek freak. He's planning to stay there forever, and uh, we'll see what happens with that. We'll talk about the Bucks in segment number two. A little bit of NBA playoff uh, catching up to do there. Nothing crazy, but we'll we'll do it. We'll do it. This is an NBA show. Um, but no, it's all about trying to enjoy the game again and get an offense that fits the modern game. Uh, those of you that have been listening to the show for many, many years, or even many, many months, you know I'm not a gigantic modern basketball fan. I'm not. I don't like nine bajillion three-point shots. I think it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like defense and fast break. I like the I like Showtime Lakers style. I like the 80s Celtics. I love all that stuff. But at 39 years of age, I'm not stupid at the same time. And, you know, I'm modern enough, modern thinking enough, you gotta 
adjust. You got to kind of go with the flow. As much as I might not like it very much, as much as I cherish the Chicago Bulls, the Celtics, and the Lakers back in the day. You got, and of course, Dominique Wilkins, Atlanta Hawks. Oh, God. Oh, God. Man, I miss that. Oh, man. Especially Wilkins, anyway. Um, you got to adjust. You got to rotate players around the perimeter for catch and shoot threes, cut to the basket for some quick layups and dunks. Rotate it back out. You know, guys rotating, moving around, moving the ball, catch and shoot three, catch and shoot three. Uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, that's the number one thing I don't like about Curry is he just kind of, he's more of the willy-nilly dribble like a crazy person and hoist it up, which, you know, was J.J. Barea style. It's just that with him, it actually works anyway. It drives me crazy. I don't like that kind of stuff. I don't like that kind of game. I don't like the showboating at all. I think most of you know that by now. Uh, but hey, <laughs> it is what it is. Catch and shoot threes, I can handle. I can handle that in a big way. As long as it isn't 42 attempts a quarter from downtown, we'll, we'll be okay. <laughs> Catch and shoot threes work, especially again in the zone defense era. You can cover an area. not you don't, you don't have to cover a man the whole time. You can cover a zone, an area, and that allows for more of an open game and less and less of the shack game where it's back to the basket and dunking on people all night with a 350-pound behemoth, basically was the case. Uh, during the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, in the Shaquille O'Neal era, where he literally changed the game there. And the Warriors have kind of changed the game into more of a three-point contest, basically. Again, as long as there's a flow to the offense, which is why I love Clay Thompson. He doesn't put the ball on the floor. He just catches and shoots, and he manages to get his 30 points that way. Uh, that's why I like Clay Thompson, and that's why he's my favorite Golden State Warrior, by far. Uh, by far. Catch-and-shoot game. Um, Andrew Wiggins, keep working on that. When hopefully we can bring in more free agents. Wouldn't be a bad thing to have a Buddy Heald in here, at least via the draft. A, a player like that, somebody like that, that can get you 20 points off of some three-point shooting. Uh, boy, oh boy. I mean, I could go on forever about Jamal Murray versus Zach Levine. I mean, I think you know which one I like more of the two. Love Zach Levine. Entertaining. Great. But I think Jamal Murray has more of a complete package to his game. And God, he's something. They're both cocky as hell. And I don't like that. But still... Great, you know, if you can translate your cockiness into production and, and wins, that uh, we can try to look past the cockiness a little bit, which is great. Uh, but uh, again, I mean, Gerson Rosas looking to bring more of that exciting, entertaining game, which will make this uh, city enjoy its game again, enjoy this sport again. The good news is also, when you look at the whole situation, you think... Yeah, you want to you wanna be like the Warriors and this and that, but you're going to just keep losing to them over and over and over. But then you hold the phone a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, hold, hold on. Steph Curry was born in 1988. Kevin Durant, about that time, 87, right? So the clock's ticking, folks. That's the good part. Carl's 95. Andrew's 95. Uh, other players even younger. Uh, so the, uh, most of the Timberwolves were born in the mid-90s. Most of the Timberwolves' best players were born in the mid-90s where other guys are born in the late 80s in Golden State. So that's the good news. The clock's ticking. They're not going to be good forever. And Kevin Durant just might get a little bit of that New York uh, state of mind, hopefully, in the offseason. Or he might want to head home to the uh, to the capital. He's ultimately from Maryland, but basically Maryland and Washington, D.C. are kind of like hand-in-hand. Hand. It's kind of like Minneapolis-St. Paul over there. So that's the thing. Who knows? Um all kinds of possibilities. Maybe him and Kyrie team up in New York because things not working so good in Boston after a awesome game one versus the Bucks, and it's been uh, it's been fear the deer ever since. Let's just leave that as is. So there's that. Um, the the, the window is going to open. 
the window's going to open. There will be a pathway. It's, it, it ain't going to be a red carpet to the NBA Finals. <laughs> That's for sure. But there is going to be a possibility. That's where the uh, optimism comes in as a Timberwolves fan. And I'm, I'm optimistic, very cautiously optimistic, because we've been through this again and again and again and again. The good news is, though, this guy's worn just about every hat with the Houston Rockets, other than president of basketball. Mr. Daryl Morey was what he was, obviously a great uh, basketball mind. And again, he learned from him. Gerson Rosas, and also uh, 40 years of age. He's got a lot of years ahead of him as an NBA executive, God, God willing. So very cool there. <clears throat> It's one thing when you're 65 years old and you just got your first job, or 58 in Paul Fenton's case with the Minnesota Wild. He got his first general manager, which in hockey, that's the top guy, uh, job at age 58, which again, it's like, why didn't he get hired sooner? Is it just a loyalty thing or what's the deal? So some of you that were worried that he was with Houston too long, well, he started again as basically a dishwasher, I mean, for crying out loud. So, I mean, you know, for, for, for lack of a better term, he was way, way at the bottom. He wasn't even paid at the beginning. So he was, an, he was just an intern just kind of coming in, and he's kind of been everywhere, scout, video coordinator. He's been all over the place, kind of helping, coaching players even a little bit, uh, this and that, and learning in the, and uh, traveling, international game and all that, which also is a big deal because he's willing to travel and scout players worldwide, which, again... It is what it is. I mean, the Greek freak was from Greek. Uh, Tony Parker was from France. Mono Ginobili was from Argentina. Dirk Nowitzki was from Germany. It, it is what it is. Yao Ming is from China. <laughs> well, it's hard to miss Yao Ming, though. It's 7-5, but still, just saying. <laughs> just saying, still, you have to travel. Where Kevin McHale wasn't a big fan. Kevin McHale just kind of was what he was. And that leads me to this soundbite right here. Jim Peterson and I are of like mind. Take a listen. You know, when Kevin McHale came on board, you know, Mac is one of the uh, most brilliant basketball minds that I've ever been around. I mean, just a basketball genius. I sat next to him at many a shoot-around practice and talked the game with him a ton. And you're not going to find very many people that know more about the game of basketball than Kevin McHale. But the job has changed so much. You have to be an executive. You've got to juggle so many things. The the, the player program is part of what this job entails and managing all of that. And, and uh, the player programs is not just uh, the onboarding of athletes when you trade for them, draft them, or get them in free agency. It's, it's player development, and it's the G League, and it's, um, it's the medical staff. Medical has changed so much in the past 10 years um, in, 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 what, in how teams treat players uh, medically that you know, there are some teams that have these huge medical budgets. And, and so now you, when you're dealing with free agents and you're trading players, I mean, players, there's a lot of teams that spend a ton of money in that area. And so when they go to different teams, they, they know what's good and what's bad. And uh, so I just think it's a situation where that job has changed us a bunch since Kevin McHale. Plus, it's a global game now more than any, and more than any time. I mean, McHale, as great as he was, he wasn't willing to go – you know, spend you know um, th- two weeks in Europe to t- try to go find the next Manu Ginobili or Tony Parker. Um, he wasn't going and traveling uh, on the weekends to go see college players play. Um, I-, I I don't know David Kahn's um, you know all of his travel schedule, but he didn't have the depth of knowledge in the in terms of identifying talent. We saw that in his drafting. Um, Flip was 
both president and head basketball coach. Flip was probably one of the best evaluators of talent. I think he was always miscast as a, I think he would have been a better executive because he was so good at wheeling and dealing and, and he had so many great relationships. I think it had, he just been an executive, he would have been phenomenal, but, um, and had McHale and Saunders flipped their roles. I think that would have been the best case scenario, but you know, everything was just, different back then and then with Tibbs I mean again when your head coach is your president of basketball operations who's going out to see the players so when draft time comes you know Tibbs really didn't know um, Flip really didn't know I mean yeah he's got all this experience and stuff but for the first time in my 21 years we've got a president of basketball operations who has been a video coordinator he's been a coach um, he's been a scout for many years he's worked in a super advanced system in, in, with another program. Um, and, you know, Gerson is just, he's, he's worn so many different hats. And then he's been with an organization that um, really everybody kind of wants to figure out what Daryl Morey's doing. What is this mad scientist doing behind the scenes? Well, Gerson knows. And uh, Gerson's going to try to bring some of that sort of advanced thinking of the game into the system, which, you know, the Timberwolves have been, you know, really kind of lacking when it comes to basketball strategy. Um, you know, the three-point shooting is just a, a symptom of that, but there are other things involved with that concept as well. So I, I just think that when I say upgrade, I just explain to you just a few ways that, that that's the case. Not bad, eh? That's what radio is all about. Gotta love what Jim Peterson had to say there, of course. Uh, color commentator for the Minnesota Timberwolves broadcast with Dave Benz on television. Outstanding, isn't he? Uh, he's been here 21 years, as he mentioned. And again, did you hear what he said about flipping the roles? You know, like switching the roles of Flip Saunders and Kevin McHale. And that that would have been a dream, wouldn't it? I mean, Kevin McHale would have been a better coach, I think, than Flip Saunders. Where some of you might be listening, like, are you crazy? Oh, my God. I think Kevin McHale would have been a better coach. I think he, he's just, it's just a better knack. And Flip Saunders would sure as hell have been a better president of basketball, vice president of basketball, general manager of the Minnesota Timberwolves. It would have been a very intriguing idea. And I remember thinking about that way back in the day when uh, Timberwolves got swept by the Dallas Mavericks after the 2002 playoffs. It was just, to me, that was eye-opening. That was like, okay, we're not getting anywhere and I'm getting sick of this BS. Why are we getting swept by the Dallas bleeping Mavericks in the first round? Oh, they're the hot new thing. Yeah, but getting swept in the first round when our team had been in the playoffs like how many years in a row? Like, I believe it was the fourth year in a row. Like, come on, let's go. We're not getting anywhere. That's the time when a lot of people like Shaquille O'Neal say it's time to fire the coach, like six years into his tenure as head coach. Now, again, firing Flip Saunders is not a remedy to anything at all. Moving him to the front office and giving Kevin McHale a crack at it might have been fantastic. The sad part is the odds of those two guys agreeing to that are one in a billion. But what if it happened? What if it happened? Or what if that was how it was from the beginning? Fantastic! It could have been really a good thing, I think. But, uh, well, it is what it is. The past is the past, and there's just no way of revisiting it all these years later. But uh, it, it's too bad. But it's kind of cool. And, of course, the thought of Gerson Rosas, again, wearing all the different hats, and it's a family and collaboration versus the whole press conference bit that we saw. It's, it's, it's not Tibbs. It's not Tibbs. Tibbs was to himself. Tibbs was a caveman. He was hiding in his, uh, well, a uh, uh, hermit crab. Maybe you could call him a caveman too, but like a hermit crab just hiding in his office all day. Like, why are you bothering me, basically? And then, you know, <laughs> and then Gerson Rosas, it's an open door. We're going to be the greatest thing ever. We're all a family. We love each other. La, 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 
Now it's time to get into the negative thought about the whole thing with the press conference. It's mostly the press conference, and again, you know, it's, you know, like you, you, the whole you never know type of feeling as well. That press conference was, come on, really? Like, really? You're just going to have the play-by-play voice of the Timberwolves ask all the questions, scripted questions, and then, oh, how adorable. We're going to go to the season ticket holders, too. Um, what are we going to do, you know, about this and that? Isn't that, wouldn't that be cool? You know, that, really? That That's what it is now? That's what we're, that sound, it was too cute. And then the little kid and the, you know, the sons and daughter or whatever, uh, up there at the same time and making noise on the microphone. Uh, you know, uh, that doesn't impress me. I'm sorry. Some of you may think that's the most adorable thing ever and I need to shut up and what kind of a jerk are you? What kind of black heart do you have? You know what? Again, the the object of the the object of the game is to win. The object of the game is to win and and enjoy doing it. This and that. Hearing a little kid go, I'm just making noises in front of the microphone. That's not what I'm looking for here as a owner or fan or whatever. That's not what I'm looking for. Just I'm I'm, I'm telling you, was it all scripted, trying to be adorable to say, yeah, we're a family now. We're not Tom Thibodeau anymore. We get the point. Stop it, okay? I, I that that was terrible. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was not good. Um, again, the scripted questions. I guess this is Ethan Casson's idea. Ethan, can we go back to just regular press conferences here? And can we please, and again, go ahead and call me a black heart about having little kids up there. Whatever, you know, that's, it doesn't impress me. It just doesn't. Go ahead and keep doing it all you want. I'm just, but I'm going to roll my eyes at it. Okay. I'm going to keep rolling my eyes at it because it's not necessary. It's not necessary. Um, but the scripted questions part, I thought was, that was bad. I'm sorry. That's bad. I, I want to hear real reporters asking questions like a regular press conference. Why is that a problem all of a sudden? Like what, what the heck made for a TV press conference? What the hell is a made-for-TV press conference? It's more like a rec- it's more like a cheap recording, like something you download off of whatever YouTube or Hulu, just a cheap recording of something. And isn't this adorable? It was you know it was almost like a commercial, wasn't it? Isn't isn't that what it was more like? Come to Target Center and buy your season tickets. Here we are. We are changing things. We're going to enjoy the game again. We're going to revitalize everything and revitalize the fans, revitalize the players, revitalize the organization, revitalize the city. Come to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Get your season tickets today at whatever the number is. 600 First Avenue, Target Center, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yay. You know, I mean, good. Okay. You know, (laughs) yay. All right. That's that's cute and everything, but... uh, (sighs) <sighs> you get the point. Okay, I, I, I think you got the point. I think I made it. <laughs> I hope that's the only time we get a press conference like that. In the future, don't do that again. Please don't do that again. It's nice that they went to regular professional interviews after that, but can't we have like a real face the music press conference like we're supposed to? Isn't that the way it's supposed to work? That, that's, that's, I can't handle it. Um, but again, sure, fine. They went to he went to Chad Hartman. He went to Dan Barrero. He went to I don't even remember anymore. He went to multiple shows, and uh, we're happy for him. That's good, and it's helpful. He answered uh, more real questions, we'll say, rather than just uh, oh, you know, is this going to happen? Uh, what are you going to do to revitalize this city? And uh, you know, are we going to change the jersey colors? Uh, you know, I don't know. 
Uh, are you gonna Are you gonna say hello and and Are you gonna beg season ticket holders to come back? Ones that were turned off by that evil Tom Thibodeau guy, the Darth Vader Tom Thibodeau. Are you gonna be the new hope? <laughs> Bring back all the season ticket holders. Are you gonna be the new hope? <laughs> Yeah, well, even Luke Skywalker had problems too along the way, but uh, yeah, we'll just leave that as is. Other than that, though, I'm optimistic, cautiously optimistic because nothing's happened yet. Uh, the good news is, no, they're not going to blow anything up. They're not going to blow anything up. Uh, they might even bring back everybody for now. Uh, and then, of course, in time, certain positions will be changed. Certain guys will be brought in that uh, Gerson Rosas wanted to be brought in to uh, be the assistant GM, to be this, to be the video coordinator, to be the, who knows, <laughs> who knows what it's going to be like. But uh, head coach Ryan Saunders is probably going to get a three-year extension or something like that. That's my guess. Uh, Gerson Rosas was non-committal on it. The thought is that uh, for most media outlets, like the Judd Zolgad and all them, Score North and KFAN and all them, I uh, believe that it's probably more of a, more of a charade, more of a facade, just, uh, he's probably going to be the coach, but we want to make it at least look like we're looking around and at least give it, give other people a shot here. Like rather than just, yep, Ryan's the coach. So that's probably what's going on there more than likely. And I'm supportive of bring Ryan, bringing Ryan Saunders back. I think most of you know that. I think most fans out there are supportive of bringing Ryan Saunders back in the fold. I think he's, uh, obviously he's got the work ethic. He's got the, uh, the knowledge. He's got the modern thinking Blah, blah, blah. You saw way more three-point attempts with him right out of the gate, pretty much. The defense stunk. Uh, there will be a defensive coordinator, uh, great basketball mind brought in to help, I think. A lot of people believe that it could be Mr. Uh, Vogel. It could be Mr. Frank Vogel, the former Pacers and Knicks head coach. Defensive type of a guy coming in. Uh, interestingly enough, Mr. Rosas also had... Uh, ties to Tom Thibodeau, and they seem to get along pretty well. So the, the days in Houston with uh, Tom Thibodeau as assistant coach, defensive coordinator for the Rockets back in the Tracy McGrady and Yao Ming days in the uh, late half of the uh, the 2000s. So the 2000s, the pre-2000s, if you know what I mean. About 10 plus years ago, uh, 15 years ago, this and that with that club. So yeah, they built a nice relationship. Uh, Rosas also has a nice uh, relationship with Ryan Saunders. So it's all a big happy family, and that's a good thing. So <laughs> it just kind of is what it is there. God bless Gerson Rosas and the Minnesota Timberwolves, hoping this is the right decision and that Rosas continues to make the right decisions along the way. It'll be very intriguing. With that said, we will take a quick break. We will uh, <laughs> we will come back, look at the playoffs, and in the fan interaction segment, we'll have a fun little uh, clip from the Courtside Podcast that I loved very much, and hopefully you'll love it as well. Hey, did you hear the good news? The Timberwolves are a family now. And we are back here on Timberwolves Explosion, segment number two. Going to look at the postseason a bit. I'm not going to go crazy into it, but well, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? It's, we'll see where it all takes me here. And okay, okay, okay. I'm not making fun of it that much. Just uh, some of that, yeah, that scripted press conference was uh, uh, unimpressive. Is, is it okay to say that? Postseason. Shall we start in the East or the West? I think the, uh, I don't know. It's, yeah. 
Clippers put up a pretty good effort against the Golden State Warriors, ended up losing in six. I mean, it's just, you know, I loved what the Clippers brought, but the Warriors ended up finishing that out. Utah and Houston. Houston dismantled the Jazz 4-1. to one. Portland dismantled OKC when we thought OKC was going to win that series after sweeping Portland. But Russell Westbrook just continued to make a bigger and bigger ass of himself down the stretch. Uh, Paul George was unimpressed with Mr. Uh, <laughs> Damian Lillard's shot from way out there that ended up uh, finishing off the series. Literally a dagger shot from 30 feet away where he did the little goodbye wave to the uh, OKC Thunder. See, normally I hate all that showboating and taunting a little bit, but that was, that, that was first of all, that was pretty minor compared to what frickin' Curry does, and even Westbrook at times in the past with a six-shooter crap, which he used to do after he'd make a three-pointer. Every bleeping three-pointer he made, he would do it. It got old. Luckily, he kind of cut that out a bit, but you know what? What Russell Westbrook has so much attitude and talks so much bleep, talks so much trash out there, I'm not mad at Damian Lillard for just saying bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye to the OKC Thunder after that play. I don't blame him for that. It was just kind of like a F you. Just go away. You know, you, you taunted us all year. You thought you were going to kick our butts and beat us in five games. We beat you in five. With that said, I don't like the Blazers either. At all. I don't like them at all. But we'll get back to something. And again, the other, the other guy in Portland who I wish was a member of the Timberwolves all this time. Uh, Denver Nuggets and Spurs was a classic seven-game series. Denver Nuggets managed to survive that just barely, but a uh, good, solid seventh game. Popovich looked pretty irritated. Uh, and then the, the plays where there was no foul, a lot of people were kind of confused by that one. Very confused. Popovich very cranky and pissed off, kind of, uh, with the reporters like he always is. But that's how it is. I mean, that's why you ask the questions rather than scripted ones. Even if Popovich comes off kind of like an asshole, which is really unusual, right? Really unusual when he, that he comes off like an asshole. So rare. But uh, so so be it. Let him be an asshole. You know, that's part of, that's how it is. You're doing a press conference, you know? Face the music, kick, uh, start spitting back at the reporters all you want, as long as you're not a complete D-bag about it, which I don't think Popovich is. Westbrook is a D-bag. I've, I've had it with him. I've had it with that guy. Uh, Paul George again calling uh, Damian Lillard's shot a bad shot. You know what? It is a bad shot. I agree with Paul George, but again, the modern NBA, I guess that's just how it is, and it was a it was a bad shot. It was a bad shot in terms of the attempt like stepping back that far and just kind of forcing it up. But again, Damian Lillard had the confidence to that he was going to make that shot. He had the focus, and that's what counts. It turned a bad shot into a good one basically. But no, I agree. It it was a bad shot, but again, Damian Lillard made it a good one. And that's that's good. That's important. So, way uh, good on Damian Lillard. Uh, very epic series between Portland and Denver. Absolutely awesome series, I'd have to say. I dislike Portland more and more with every game, pretty much. I'm kind of tired of them. Uh, even though Enos Cantor is a warrior, I, do, I, I respect him in a big way. The other guy, though, on the Portland Trailblazers, another one that could have wound up on the Timberwolves. Uh, Flip wasn't a fan. I wasn't a fan, admittedly. My hand's raised. It's my fault. Yes, I would have screwed up. I would have screwed up that draft, at least with that guy. Uh, could you imagine the 2013 draft, though, what the Timberwolves could have gotten? You, you sit back and think about what the Timberwolves could have gotten in the 2013 draft. <sighs> um, uh, I, I cringe when I think about what the Timberwolves could have had. Uh, let's, let's just sit back here and take a look. You could have easily had uh, C.J. McCollum or the Greek Freak. Maybe one way or another, you could have gotten both of them. Uh, but I, I guess the way the draft shows up, uh, 
you would have wound up with only one. It's like I want to believe we could have had both, but that's like my, my thinking. We could have had both, but well, you could have at least had one of the two. That's the frustrating part. You had the ninth pick. You could have taken just taken Giannis right there. You could have taken C.J. McCollum right there. You end up taking uh, Trey Burke and making the move. That gave you two draft picks, which wound up, again, being Shabazz bleeping Muhammad, which, ugh, I don't know, man. Shabazz Muhammad and uh, Dorgie Zhang, which I'm not, I don't have a huge problem with Dorgie Zhang. Giannis would not have slipped to 21. That's a guarantee. Uh, but Shabazz Muhammad was picked one pick ahead of uh, Giannis. That has that uh, the whole Flynn and Curry thing again, which is frustrating. So even Flip Saunders, as great as he was, capable of not doing so hot in the draft. Uh, could have had C.J. McCollum, though. Imagine C.J. McCollum alongside uh, Rubio or whoever. It could have been that clutch shooter. And even better, you could have had your power forward to go with Carl uh, Anthony Towns with uh, Giannis. That would have been much better. As good as C.J. McCollum is, but you could have had an all-star, either uh, one way or another, an all-star caliber player. Uh, Giannis, an MVP caliber player out of uh, Greece. Eh? I think the city he's from in Greece is even more difficult than his last name. So let's just say the Greek freak from Greece and leave it as it is because it's that hard. Other than Giannis is an easy one. <sighs> it is what it is. But, uh, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. Would have loved to have CJ McCollum's extremely clutch 40-point games. You had that four-overtime game in the third game of the, of the playoffs. It looked like Denver was going to bury Portland, go up two games to one, and move from there. But since that game, Denver's been pretty damn good. They've been pretty lights out, knocking Portland off in their home court uh, in Game 4, and then doing a hell of a job last night, pretty much cementing themselves into the Western Conference Finals by crushing, demoralizing the Portland Trailblazers in Game 5 in Denver, mile high last night. Denver's up three games to two. To me, there's no way Portland wins that series anymore. And I'm totally fine with it. Gotta love what uh, the Jokers brought. He is a Joker Johnson, like the Magic Johnson of big guys. He's, I guess, a lesser version of what uh, Mr. Uh, Sabonis could have been years ago had he been that age, had he been fortunate enough to be that young in the NBA, which would have been beautiful and fun to watch. That guy was a son of a biscuit. Golden State hammered Houston. You got the stupid foul calls. Every couple of seconds, Houston whining and complaining, which hopefully Gerson Rosas does not bring to this organization. Uh, we had enough of that during the uh, <laughs> Adelman and uh, Berea era. Complain, complain, complain. It was obnoxious. I think we all hated it. We got sick of watching it. Carl Anthony Towns likes to complain a lot, but I think he's tailed off a teeny bit. Hopefully he continues to do so. <clears throat> Houston has built a reputation that makes them very unlikable. Even though they're a very good team, they got killed by Golden State multiple games. They blew a chance in Game 1, which is actually a close game, actually. I shouldn't say they got killed. Game 2, not so good. Though Houston was in both of them, just down the stretch, things didn't go so well. But then Houston wins two in a row, which is good. So glad to see the Rockets at least back in it. I hate the I hate the Warriors so much. I I'm cheering for Houston, which is sad. I I, I know a lot of you are like, well, are you crazy? But aren't do you really want Golden State to win again? Do you really want that? Can't we move on? Can we move on? Like let's go. I like to see Denver Milwaukee. That'd be kind of cool. But, um, well, you might see Golden State Milwaukee. I think there's a pretty good chance. Toronto, wow, what a, what a nice comeback they've had. Uh, Milwaukee got shelled on their home court in game one of the uh, second round, and it's like, oh, boy. Well, I, I guess they're not ready yet. They're, they're too young. They're not ready for the big time. Here come the, here come the Celtics. Go green machine. 
they're rolling. Celtics are rolling, and the ha and the the Bucks are again. They're not they're not ready for it. They're just not ready. They're too young. They're going to lose to the Celtics and go uh, Boston versus Golden State, which I picked at the beginning of the season with the Celtics winning because they're going to have the best record in the league. It ended up being the other green team, the Fear of the Deer, and they have kicked some butt the last three games over the Boston Celtics, particularly Game Four. That was really something, which put the Celtics on ice just about. Bucks win three in a row over the Celtics. Charles Barkley made a uh, strong statement. After game number two, the Boston Celtics will not win another game in this series. I believe he even made it after, yeah, I think it was after game number two that the Boston Celtics will not win another game in this series. It was either two or three, but one way or another. Pretty bold prediction when it's either one-to-one or two-to-one, and I think he's going to be right. Game five at home in Milwaukee, fear the deer, even though the Celtics have won there once in this series. uh, Milwaukee Bucks move on to the East Finals, in my opinion. Uh, I, yeah, I de- definitely think Denver beats Portland. I think Houston and Golden State's close. I think it's a very close series. I love the way Houston plays against Golden State. They've been the toughest opponent for the Warriors the past two years, and it's evident now. Stop whining, stop complaining, get out and play Houston, and you might have a chance to actually do something pretty special. It's possible, especially with Clint Capella being healthy. That's a big help. Uh, having a nice, strong big man who can rebound and block shots and put in some of those easy twos. Uh, those offensive boards can can get something done there. Um, so again, all due respect to uh, Mr. Uh, Demarcus Cousins with that uh, ever so unfortunate Achilles tendon injury. I'm not laughing at it. I'm not celebrating it. I, I I feel for him. That's a devastating injury to any NBA basketball player. Achilles tendon is no joke. Um, it's no joke at all. So hopefully a speedy recovery for him, and I just hope he signs with a different team. That's all. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I'm an ass. Uh, Milwaukee, okay, I didn't even talk about the first round hardly in the uh, Eastern Conference, but it's been, it was pretty lame, to be quite honest. Bucks crushed Detroit basically four games in a row. Detroit made, I think, one of the games fairly interesting down the stretch uh, in Detroit, but generally speaking, the Bucks crushed them. Celtics completely took me and slapped me upside the head when I picked the Indiana Pacers to beat them in six or seven. Ouch! Celtics just roasted the Indiana Pacers, and then again, to win their fifth playoff game in a row by killing Milwaukee at home. A lot of people thought the Boston Celtics were going to start living up to that type that they had two years ago when they first got Gordon Hayward, pre-broken leg and all that, broken ankle situation, nasty injury there. Uh, Brooklyn took out Philly in Game 1, which was extremely impressive. You get a couple of Game 1 wins uh, for both, both Brooklyn and Orlando. Brooklyn looked very impressive in that game, and then Philly just said bleep this and took took uh, took the, the Nets to task, beat them in five games. Same with Toronto, Orlando. Orlando winning game one in Toronto, their first playoff win since 2009. I mean, we're talking way back in the day here. Orlando's not been a uh, scary team at all uh, in the postseason for many years. They haven't even been in the postseason for like a decade. Uh, they, made, they made it to the finals in 2009, which is the weirdest thing ever. They actually went to the finals 10 years ago with Dwight Howard crazy it's been that long too but they actually went to the NBA finals but they barely even like yeah it was not a good series um Toronto crushed Orlando in a big way Philly looked real strong early against Toronto despite Toronto winning game one a couple of big wins for Philly took a 2-1 2-1 lead and then Toronto the last couple games has been extremely impressive very close game in Philly in game four and then took them to task in game number five here and I think Toronto's chances of going to the Eastern Conference Finals are extremely strong now. 3-2 to two lead. I think it's Bucks toronto Denver versus probably Golden State. Yay. Yay. But Denver-Houston, let's, let's go. Let's go, baby. Not because I love the Houston Rockets, but because I want Golden State out. That's what I want. I would love to see that. Um, 
right now it looks to me most likely scenario is Bucks and uh, Bucks and Warriors. Bucks home court advantage. Go get them Bucks. Go get them Bucks. I, I'm cheering for the Bucks 100% the rest of the way here. As much as a Celtics fan as I've been forever, this team doesn't impress me right now. I don't like the mix. I don't like what they're doing. I, I liked them for a little bit, and now it's not looking good. I am on the Bucks bandwagon the rest of the way for the NBA playoffs. And pretty much I've been on it anyway. But just saying, I am all in with the Milwaukee Bucks all the way to the uh, Vince Lombardi Trophy. Vince Lombardi, <laughs> Larry O'Brien Trophy. Oh, I, I was testing you. Yeah, but no, I do think the Bucks can win the championship. I think they can. I think they got the pieces. They got the pieces. They, they can do it. Obviously, the Warriors are going to be favored despite the Bucks have the better record in the home court. Warriors are favored because they're the Warriors, just like the, when the Bulls had an inferior record to the New York Knicks and the Phoenix Suns in 1993. It is what it is, you know. I am absolutely positively not cheering for the Warriors, though. I hope the Houston Rockets take care of business, which would be a very happy day for myself. So with that said, though, Milwaukee, go get them in seven games. Close them out in game number seven, NBA Finals in June. With that said, we'll take a quick break, get into some fan interaction, and a word from the Courtside Podcast. back here on Timberwolves Explosion. Segment number three, Fan Interaction. Segment will start off with a Twitter account. At Wolves Explosion. At Wolves Explosion because Twitter, <laughs> Timberwolves Explosion doesn't fit for some reason or another. Then again, maybe it would nowadays. want to thank Tanae Brown, Levi Brown out of New Zealand and Vinrock, Vince Germano for retweeting the most recent episode 258. Time for the new Pobo. Well, the new Pobo is in the house since we like to abbreviate everything nowadays. I mean, <laughs> Pobo, we even go with Pobo, just like Bogo. Years ago, people were wondering what the heck Bogo is. It's buy what get one and all that. It's, yeah, well, thanks guys for the retweet. Really appreciate it. Passing it on to your friends. It helps. Every little bit helps very much, and I can't thank you enough for that. Uh, Going to get to some of the mentions here. Lots of, uh, there we go. Got to the actual mentions and not all the other much that popped up where it's like news and stuff, which... Well, some of it's news. Some of it's just other people tweeting out stuff that they're just tweeting it out. Uh, I was talking about back on April 27th, ongoing little debate on Facebook and on Twitter to get some conversation going. I was asking, am I ignorant for saying I would rather have Jamal Murray than Zach Levine? Vinrock Vince Germano says, I'd be happy with either. I come back with, yeah, I'd, I'd rather have Jamal Murray. I think it's a little more complete game with that guy and, of course, more clutch. Uh, you'll hear that from Vince as well coming up. Levi out of New Zealand says he did okay with round one with the predictions. He said, only winner I picked wrong was OKC. Yep, I got that one wrong and Indiana. So you beat me, Levi. You beat me. <laughs> Second round. Oh, I, I, I picked the Warriors. I don't want to. God, I don't want to. But I have the Warriors going to the finals versus the Bucks with the Bucks winning in seven, basically, at this point. Um... And it's kind of late for me to actually do real predictions now because, well, yeah, I mean, not necessarily because some of those series are close. Denver in seven. Um, not, no, yeah, Denver in seven. Um, Golden State in seven, I think, against the freaking Rockets. I wish the Rockets could beat them, but I don't know. They probably can't. They had to win a road game, and they didn't. That's the problem. 
Uh, they still could, though. They, if they win game five, who knows? Uh, so, yes, we'll say Warriors in seven. Blah, Bucks in five over the uh, vaunted Celtics. And Toronto Raptors will beat the uh, Philadelphia 76ers in seven. Then uh, third round, if it comes to it, Bucks in six or seven versus Toronto. That might take seven, which is not always a good thing. Uh, and I think the Warriors beat the Nuggets in like five or six, unfortunately. And Bucks in seven in the finals. So the Bucks will have a lot of seven-game series coming up, but they're young and hopefully can handle it just fine. So back to what Levi said. I'll start from the beginning. He did okay with round one. Only winner I picked wrong was OKC, which, of course, was the one team I did want to get through. Not to give a cult, though, picking mostly favorites. Yes, yeah, in the first round, it's usually that way. But, hey, you know, Portland and uh, Boston did a good job. They really did a good job. Boston really shellacked that, that Pacers team. Pretty surprising. And what Portland did to OKC was pretty damn impressive, uh, without a doubt. And I think Levi might be a Westbrook fan, unfortunately. So, And I don't mean, unfortunately, in terms of like, uh, how could you like that guy? I mean, unfortunately, because of the way I talked about him. So I apologize if uh, that annoyed you a bit. <sighs> Looks like there's a bit of a thread with this one, eh? It's at Golden State Warriors uh, in six over Houston. With Durant playing at another level and expecting Curry and Clay to go off at any moment, I don't think the ISO heavy rockets will have enough unless they shoot the lights out most of the series. And unfortunately, they really haven't, and that's been a definite problem. Uh, but, you know, they're doing better than Kyrie Irving, though, as he's really fallen off the face of the earth. Portland in six over Denver. Wow. Wow, that's surprising. But, um, you know, but, you know, they were playing good. And when they went up, when they won that four overtime game, which is a, quite a thriller the uh, other night, I believe that was Sunday night. What a game. He says if Lillard keeps. Uh, if Lillard is going to keep throwing up and hitting threes from the logo, then all power to them. Yep. Milwaukee in five. I think you're going to be dead on with this. Uh, Celtics were good against an overmatched Pacers, but don't see them causing, I think, the Bucks. He doesn't see them causing the Bucks too much trouble. Uh, they're just too good. Wouldn't surprise me at all, though, for the Celtics to make it a lot closer. Yeah, it looks like they won't. And this one I think you got correct, too. I'm full in agreement with these two. Toronto in seven. Over Philadelphia. Yep, I'm in full agreement with that one. Um, he says, uh, cheating slightly with the Raptors. Already up one, which is fine. I mean, hey, you know, and I'm way ahead. So, yeah, I, I apologize. It's because, you, you know, the uh, I would have recorded this show right when Rostas got hired. But there was some problems going on with HipCast. And it was, you know, that was the only rainy day I had. And then on the weekend, I was like, screw it. You know, I, I'd rather wait till the press conference. Because it was coming up the next day. So, I wanted to hear more on how the press conference was. And... It was worth it. Unfortunately, it got me some negative uh, energy. It got me a little ticked off. But at the same time, you learn more of the vision as well with the uh, conversations after that. So back to what Levi had to say. Toronto in seven, four to three. Cheating slightly with the Raptors already up one, while Kawhi is not Jordan, obviously. I do see some comparisons with the all-around game and high-level mid-range game. and I see it too. He is probably the most similar player to Michael Jordan right now, isn't he? Because LeBron isn't. Le- Le- LeBron's closer to Magic Johnson. He's like a higher-scoring version of Magic Johnson. Um, you know, when you look at the, the old great players, I wish Wiggins could approach a mini-Dominique. Because I think that's the player of all the legendary players in the past. That's the player I think Don, uh, Wiggins is the most similar to in terms of what he can do at at top potential. Uh, again, not saying he's Dominique Wilkins' level, but what he could do possibly if that's what he wants. But yeah, Kawhi has some MJ in him, and I hope he can keep it coming. And thank you so much for the second round playoff predictions. I apologize I'm late. I really, really do. And 
keep them coming. Like the the conference final predictions, keep it coming. Uh, I love this. Thank you, Levi. It's very, very, very appreciative. Uh, appreciate it on this show. Um, keep keep it coming. That is awesome. Great job there. You're probably going to be right about all of them except maybe the the Denver one. So. And I had a brief little chat with uh, Craw, John Craw, John Krasinski, Johnny Athletic, as they call him now. I was saying, you always do an awesome job, John. Is there any hint as to when a press conference may take place? He was saying, appreciate it. He's guessing early next week. And I was saying, I wish I could be there, but I'm just a podcaster who needs to make a living, LOL. And he liked that, which is cool. I was also telling him, very cool. Uh, looking forward to the press conference, seeing what he's like. And it's interesting. You know, I like what I see from Rosas. I just didn't like the way the press conference was handled. And uh, that's on Ethan Casson a little bit, which I, I, I think Ethan Casson has a good vision for this franchise as Glenn Taylor's kind of letting him take the reins a bit, which is fine. Uh, 78-year-old Glenn Taylor, who's been through a lot, basically, with this team, good and bad, a lot of bad, unfortunately. Uh, some Some weird decisions. Uh, Ethan Casson, though, that was not a good one. Having a scripted press conference thing, you, you, that's not good. Don't do not do it again. Please don't do it again, Ethan. I'm sure you're a very intelligent guy, and you got a bright future in the business world, but don't do that again, please. Please, as a, just, just put, put my vote in as a no uh, about doing that again. Should we do this again? Timberwolves fans and, and uh, media, should we do this again? Uh, you could kind of call me Timberwolves media, I guess. You can. In fact, well, you should, damn it. Alternative media, but I am media. I'm alt media, but I am media. My vote is no. My little checkbox, no. Especially media. I think most media would say no because, well, what does media look for? What's the number one thing media looks for? Information. Questions and information. Questions and answers. What did we get in that in that press conference? Um, stuff. We're not looking for stuff. We're looking for questions and answers. So, I don't think anybody was all that pleased about that. Levi Brown continues, a uh, new, new thread here. He says, I'm surprised more teams don't get fresh legs in. A, a refreshed, exactly. A refreshed hood was massive for the Blazers, and that's why the Blazers won that game. Uh, hood was clutch as a you-know-what. I was saying first quadruple overtime NBA playoff game since 1953. Are you kidding me? This game will not end. Go Denver. Can't believe I'm saying that, but go Denver. And yes, again, Levi was saying how, yep, he didn't understand why teams weren't giving fresh legs out there. It's like you're desperate. You're thinking, okay, let's make that quick run and end this game. It's just a five-minute period. Yeah, but you're killing these guys. Um, Jokic looked like he was going to die. I mean, 61 minutes? That's crazy. That's two games almost. That's crazy, man. And I was saying, uh, yeah, Denver didn't sit anybody down. That was dumb. I, I thought it was dumb. Like, what, what are you doing? And that's why the, the Denver Bronco Nuggets did not win the game. Uh, Rodney Hood, couple of clutch threes. There's two guys. There's one guy on each team who definitely doesn't get the uh, the love that other players get. You get the, you know, you get the Jokers. You got the Murray. You got the Lillard. You got the McCollum. And then you got Rodney Hood and Will Barton. Wow. If either one of those guys, especially Will Barton, Another another part of that David Kahn bag of money over there that built up to four million bucks to buy out Kurt Rambis, the little imaginary bag. It's still here. It's, it's been empty a long time, but I kept it as a souvenir. The million dollar, the bag that held the four million dollars with the trade down, trade away in the 2011 draft. Will Barton was one of those members. Will Barton, yep. Um, who knows if he'd still be on the team today if that took place? Because you know, that was with Houston, I believe. He wound up with Denver. That's when he actually really became a player. It was at Denver about three, four years ago. And man, Will Barton, big time. Clutch, clutch shooter, can hit those three point shots. If he is available one way or another, 
I would love to see Will Barton suit up for your Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, here we go. Loved it. Now, when Steph Curry and the Warriors were finally getting beat by the Rockets in Houston to get the Rockets back in the bleeping series after blowing the first two games with screwing around and complaining and whatever the hell else was going on, the frustration was going on, and then Curry had the embarrassing missed layup like the old uh, Sprite commercial back in the 90s, Grant Hill there, with uh, the guy who drank the Sprite and went up for the dunk and the ball was below the rim and down he went. And uh, Zach Harper, who is he's from Minnesota, but I believe he lives in the Florida area now, and he covers NBA, basically, everybody, not just the Wolves. And uh, fun thread here between me and him, back and forth here, where I was saying, ha ha, Curry misses the dunk, love it, and that was ultimately the end of the game there. And then uh, Mr. LSD Brown, out of LSD Brown, LSD, whoa, out of Australia, Love you. Thank you very much. This guy's cool. Uh, he says, uh, he posts a picture of the Emperor from the Return of the Jedi. Of course, again, Star Wars in general, but this was Return of the Jedi when uh, he was trying to get... Uh... Actually, this was not Return of the Jedi. This is the end of... Uh... What do they call that? Uh... Empire Strikes Back. Yes, this is when Luke actually ultimately got his arm cut off, uh, the front of his arm cut off from uh, Darth Vader. Uh, he wanted... Luke to beat Darth Vader and basically become Darth Vader. It was a back-to-back. The Emperor was saying, good, let the hate flow through you. Oh, this was the end. This was the end. I'm getting mixed up again. This was the end, because the Emperor didn't really show himself with uh, Luke until the end of uh, Jedi. So, duh, my apologies there. Good, good, let the hate flow through you. Yes, because if the hatred kept coming from Luke Skywalker, and he killed Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker would literally become Darth something. Darth Skywalker. Or Darth, well, it wouldn't be Skywalker. Darth whatever. He would have been the next Darth, literally. He would have been another, uh, uh, (laughs) he would have been been, uh, fully on the dark side right there. The hatred would have taken over just like it did with uh, Darth Vader. Anakin Skywalker, like when uh, Darth Vader realized that, uh, uh, Padme had died, the hatred went ape crap, and the Emperor loved it, because now he's fully on the dark side of the Force. And that's basically what that was all about. So, yes, uh, he wanted me to hate on the Warriors, and apparently he's glad that I do. I was saying, not, not everybody has to like him, and LSD Brown was saying, that wasn't a judgment, I truly do want you to do that, and thank you. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Apologize if I needed to explain the movie. I shouldn't have done that. I bet you most of you are like, well, yeah, we know, Joey. His movie's like 40 years old now. I know, but love the movie and love the, uh, uh, I, I love the taste there. You show some really good taste at the end of the day. Uh, LSD Brown, that was cool. <laughs> he wanted me to let the hate fall through me because it's about time the Warriors lost, isn't it? Isn't it about time? I was saying Jamal Murray is the goods. I still say he's better than Zach Levine. What say you? Vince Germano comes back and says, tough one. I like I like them both a lot. I'd go with Murray. He's shown more clutchness, if that's a word. And we'll we'll accept that as a word today, Mr. Vinrock, Vince Germano. So, going to give a big shout out to the Courtside Podcast. Wayne Hunt is the alpha dog. Vinrock, Vince Germano, and Stu Benson also jump, in board, jump on board to form a trifecta of great basketball radio. Ultimately, <clears throat> Wayne Hunt is a uh, Memphis Grizzlies fan. Vince Germano, Vinrock, and Stu Brown are, are uh, Laker fans, but they talk about the NBA. 
they talk about their teams when they get the chance, but generally they talk about the whole league. And then they have little spats about their teams on occasion. They joke about this or they laugh about that or they say, hey, you know, or in uh, Vince Germano's case, well, he's coming, he's, he's coming to the Lakers if it's, if, it's, if it's LeBron James, if it's the Greek freak, if it's coming to Rand, he's coming to the Lakers. You know, he's coming to the Lakers and he likes to kind of turn that into a bit. It's an ongoing bit. So it just is what it is. And then Vin Rock, or excuse me, Wayne Hunt had an interesting thing go on with uh, Chris Wallace, his uh, <clears throat> head basketball guy. Let's uh, let's hear what uh, Wayne Hunt had to say. Quick sample of that show. Well, we should we should turn the the tone around a little bit, a little bit somber there, a little bit of uh, you know, got some emotions out there. It's good talk, good good talk. Hey, happy thoughts for you, mate. You Chris Wallace got demoted. <sighs> Man, we fired JB Biggerstaff. We not only we didn't fire Chris Wallace. We did something even more heinous to Chris Wallace. He's now a scout. <laughs> Joey. Happy days. <laughs> I don't reckon he's the last of the season as a scout. I reckon nah, that is... I wonder where they'll put him. They'll put him in the subconscious or something. He'll be, he'll be scouting India or something. 100%. Oh, oh he mate. won't find any players there, let me tell you. It's beautiful. We just want him out. Oh my goodness, it doesn't get much better than that, does it? We made him a scout. <laughs> that was so funny. You know, there have been a lot of laugh out loud, slap your slap your leg, slap your hip uh, moments with the Courtside Podcast, but that's right up there at the top. That was gold. I mean, I haven't <laughs> burst out laughing like that in a while. That was really something when I first heard that. <laughs> we made him a scout. That's just the way he said it was unbelievable. If that doesn't interest you in that show... I don't know what does. Uh, the Courtside Podcast. You know what? I keep calling it the Courtside Podcast. That's the accurate name, but that can kind of steer you wrong. If you're looking for it on Google or whatever, C-R-T-S-D-E. C-R-T-S-D-E. That'll ensure that you'll find it. One way or another, you should find it. But yeah, Wayne Hunt out of Sydney. Vince Germano out of Melbourne. And Stu Benson also out of the Sydney area. The second richest man in Sydney in Stu Benson's case. Yep, Mr. Auctioneer. The king of it right over there. Uh, great guys, great show. Wow. Uh, wonderful friends. And what a good show. Like, what a good show. Is there a better basketball show on the planet? I, I don't think so. I'll, I'll take second. I'll take second place. <laughs> if I'm allowed to. If second place is a position I deserve. But uh, versus 90,000th. Uh, 90, I hope I'm not that far down. But uh, that is just an awesome show. So thanks again, guys, for the friendship over the years. And we'll keep it coming and the interaction and Twitter, Facebook, and, of course, all that. Uh, man, I met some great people, haven't I, over the years. It's wonderful. I can't thank you guys enough. Uh, Vinrock, Wayne, Stu, of course, uh, Tanae Brown and Levi Brown out of New Zealand. Just amazing, guys. Just gold. Hall, Hall of Famers for this show. Just gold. And I'll just I, I, I could go on all day how great you guys are. And be sincere about it. Uh, let's go to the Facebook page. Facebook.com forward slash Timberwolves Explosion. Facebook.com forward slash Timberwolves Explosion. <clears throat> I was talking to him about which names are the Wolves target for new president of basketball ops. And there was just, I'll just read it anyway, even though it's the past now. Uh, Vince Germano was saying Larry Bird. And that would have been cool. Uh, Vince was saying, I mean, if he's up for it, otherwise I'd look into hiring from the uh, an organization like the Spurs. 
ultimately ended up being the Rockets. So hopefully that would be the case. I would love to get Bird, but he always, yeah, he always wants to step away. It seems like the real big name people, they always step away. And I think that's the fear about Chauncey Billups. Like, how long would he stay if he did come? Uh, he turned down the Cleveland Cavaliers. It sounds like he was very interested in the Wolves, but I don't know. We'll see what happens. Hopefully we didn't miss out on the next Steve Eiserman, like in the hockey, when the Wild actually tried to get Steve Eiserman and he said no, basically, and wound up a couple years later with the Tampa Bay Lightning and, wow, made them a great team. So, unfortunately, no Stanley Cups yet since that hire, and now he left and moved on to the Detroit Red Wings. Let's move on. There was talk about him moving uh, the Wolves meeting with Chauncey Billups. I'm not sure if he finished second or what the deal is because they were going to move it down to two, and uh, Casson and Taylor and others, the committee, so to speak, were so interested in uh, Rosas, they said make a move because uh, he was going to interview for the Washington Wizards job. Uh, Brent Jacobson has a conversation here. Yep, that when Michael Winger was one of the main candidates we wanted from the uh, Los Angeles Clippers, he declined the interview and wants to remain in L.A. Maybe he's going to get a raise and such. Uh, I was saying I hate it. A lot of people were like mad. Brent Jacobson says, I have heard Chauncey Billups is in the mix. I think I prefer him. Uh, Ali Sidikai locally also says, can't say I blame him in terms of Michael Winger. Ali and Brent, little conversation here. Uh, Ali says, good players don't usually make good GMs, but we'll see. And th- that's true. It's uh, That's an issue. Uh, except for Elden Brand, apparently. Brent Jacobson talking about Elden Brand with Philadelphia. And yeah, he's done a good job, without a doubt. Uh, Ali said, yeah, he is. Mikhail and Isaiah Thomas were bums, though. And Magic Johnson, ultimately disappointing as well. I'd have to say Magic Johnson, very disappointing. Elden Brand, though, great uh, job thus far with Philadelphia. Very impressive. It's like, you don't, I, I, for the longest time, I didn't even realize that he, he's the main dude in uh, Philly and he's doing a good job. Um, after Sam Presti and all that, trust the process. Presti did a pretty good job too, though. Let's be honest, even though it got a little weird for a minute there. Um, I was talking about, uh, yep, again, am I ignorant for saying what I, I would rather have Jamal Murray than Zach Levine thoughts. Uh, somebody laughed. I wonder who that is. Why would you laugh? Are you crazy? Dallas, Michael, Mercial. So, are you trying to say Levine's that much better than uh, Murray? I don't know about that, bro. Bro. I was saying, I understand completely when people were saying both. Uh, but let's stick to the original question. I forget, uh, what was I saying now? Uh, oh, yeah, I was saying what's really sad is we could have had him instead of Chris Dunn. Uh, Timmy, uh, Tim, Tim Lee Schuler. Nope. Schluter. Schluter. So I apologize. He says, I don't think... You could go wrong with either. I uh, could have both. And yes, we could have had both. We could have had both, which is insane. And uh, Jamie Tinter is saying exactly. Yep, we could have had both, which is true. So yes, uh, Tim Schluter and Jamie Tintor. Could have Tintor, uh, Jamie back in the mix. He's been away for a little bit, apparently. Uh, he does a lot of uh, adminning for other pages like Flips Army and such, which is cool. Uh, power rankings. Yep, look, looked at that. No comments there. And we got five total comments. Let's go here. What happened to him? So there was the report. Kimberwolves hired Gerson Rosas from Rockets as president of basketball operations. Let's look at all the conversation and replies. Tene Brown out of New Zealand, of course, says complete 180 move to the Thibs lead in front office. Rosas is coming, coming out of the analytical front office of the Rockets. I'm excited to see what he brings to the Wolves. Next move I'd like to see is getting Saunders resigned. And yes, uh, I would like to see that as well. Signed. Wayne Hunt has a hand over a face, like as if to say, really? So, we'll continue here. Wayne Hunt, Vince Germano, conversation. Vince Germano says, what's the go, Wayne? 
Wayne Hunt says that I don't like the hire. <clears throat> Wayne uh, Vinstermano says, but why? Don't know much about him. And we'll see. So, we'll see. I, I clicked like on all of you just because of the conversation there and that one. Appreciate the conversation being brought in. Well, I mean, we'll see. There's not much to not like, not much to like. Well, I guess the like part is that people really want to see, uh, people want to see analytics. They want to see some modern game. We'll see what happens. Wayne Hunter, not too impressed yet, but uh, hopefully in time he'll be happier with uh, the decision. We'll see what happens at that. Cautiously uh, optimistic. That's the best I can be right now. It's the best we can all be at this point with this club because reality is what it is. Sometimes you hire something great. You thought the Wolves were just going back to the old boring uh, uh, country club of Flip Saunders, and he did great. His first draft was not that good, honestly, but it, you know, but since then he did a pretty good job, and the way he handled the Kevin Love situation was pretty cool. Uh, hopefully, Andrew Wiggins can become a really good player here by with enjoying the game again and having an offense that uh, suits him, and uh, well, eliminating some of those uh, bad decisions that Andrew Wiggins makes on the court would be helpful. I got to think. Uh, I got to think indeed. So that's kind of where we stand at this point with the Minnesota Timberwolves. The uh, future is here. The future is now. And the present is, uh, well, there's nothing better than the present, I suppose, as well. So with that said, hopefully this does work out very well. Again, I'm going to disappear a bit. Again, going to continue the lawn cleanups. It was a bit of a rainy day. It could have been rainier than it is, but it's rainy enough to disrupt what I'd like to do and get stuff done. And, of course, the cold and all that tomorrow. God, this is getting weird. Crappy start to the spring here. Um, it should be the warm part of the spring by now. But, uh, well, hopefully uh, Milwaukee continues what they're doing. Um, I know a lot of you like Milwaukee. You like the Greek freaks. Some of you actually like the Warriors. Or you're just you're just celebrating the fact they're this great team and all that. Uh, somebody locally, a well-known guy named Myron Metcalf, went as far as to say the best NBA team ever assembled. Uh, maybe just because of the Kevin Durant, because of the, the Kevin Durant acquisition, maybe you can make that argument, but I'm still on the 90s Bulls, bro, brother. Uh, I'm still on the 90s Bulls. I'm sorry. And go ahead and say I'm too old, this and that, too old school. I'm too stuck in the past. I'm on the 90s Bulls. I think that's the better team at the end of the day. Maybe the best assembled team, but that doesn't mean they would win. You know, maybe the, maybe the Warriors are the best assembled team, like the best group of players, but that doesn't mean they would win. I think the Bulls would beat the... I still think the Bulls could beat this Warriors team. I think Michael Jordan's defense is good enough. Scottie Pippen's defense is good enough. Dennis Rodman would piss off and frustrate uh, uh, Draymond Green into making stupid mistakes, technical fouls. He might get get him kicked out, suspended, which that's part of the game, brother. That's part of the game. Scottie Pippen would frustrate uh, Curry and Thompson. Michael Jordan would frustrate Curry and Thompson, guys like that. They would frustrate them. Iguodala would get rendered useless, I think, by, by a Pippen-Rodman type of combination. I think the Chicago Bulls would beat the, the Warriors. I do believe that. And I think Steve Kerr, deep down, even though he would never admit it because he cannot, he cannot admit it, deep down, way down in there, he knows that that 90s Bulls team was, was uh, would figure out a way to beat the Warriors. I think their basketball IQ was, was uh, higher. I think they, their mental toughness is way beyond any, anybody on the Warriors. I think Jordan uh, is the most mentally tough player that ever played in the game. And that guy would find a way to beat the Golden State Warriors. He would do it. I believe that through my heart and soul. I, will, I do believe there will never be another Michael Jordan in, in the NBA. As great as you believe, oh, they're faster, stronger, smarter, blah, 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 blah. 
sometimes you can never replace somebody. And I believe Michael Jordan is that kind of guy. I, I don't think there'll ever be another Michael Jordan. I don't think there'll ever be enough uh, player with a combination of talent, ability, clutch ability, competitiveness, and mental toughness. The ability to get through uh, all of it, to, to weather the storm, regardless of what's taking place. I think Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls would find a way to defeat the Golden State Warriors at the end of the day, along with Phil Jackson uh, and, and all that. I, I think they'd get it done. That's just my belief. You don't have to agree, but I'll just close with that statement right here and right now after people locally talked about that. I was like, I better throw this in at some point in the show, and I am here right at the end. Uh, Got to get to the phone lines and the contact details. I believe we still have a phone line. I prefer the audio submission route. I think most of you just go that way, so I'll go with that. I'm not sure what to do with that phone line anymore. Well, I'll, I'll give it out. 209-736-7877. 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Mention you're calling in for Timberwolves Explosion. Do your statement, shout-out, comment, question, and opine. It is a three-minute limit. Be wary of that. You'll get cut off after three minutes exactly. So just be aware of that. So yeah, get, get, your, get your point out and... Uh, enjoy there. Uh, the audio submission route is basically using any smart device on the planet, using the free voice recorder on there, which is an application, of course, free, free. Treat it like a phone call. Save it and send it to Live at yahoo.com, Live at yahoo.com. It'll keep the limit maybe five to ten minutes. You know, I don't think any of you are going to really do ten minutes, but if you superly want to and you have a lot to say and it's organized, it's not just silly uh, then it'd be fantastic. Again, that email address, all of that will be in the show description, so you don't have to guess how to spell it. It's all right there. C- copy and paste, whatever you want to do. I will then convert the file into an MP3 file, thanks to Zumzar or Converto.com, which are wonderful websites that provide a free service if it's a small enough file. And if it's a very big file that needs to be converted into an MP3 or something else, they, they uh, charge you a small fee. So I'm more than happy to give them a free plug because of that. Uh, their service helps my show. So, But I need some of you guys to call in here for me to use that service. Otherwise, I'm just uh, kind of sitting here by myself, kind of lonely. But then again, thanks again, though, those of you that did interact with me on Twitter and Facebook and have been doing so for so long. God bless you guys so much. Uh, again, hope to hear from all of you again soon. Nicholas Simon out of Australia, love you. I uh, don't believe he was on this show, but uh, the most recent one I think he was. So, again, hope to hear from you again soon. And others, uh, Lucas Quayle, Brandon from South Dakota, love you guys. Hope to hear from you soon. Until next time, which will be probably a few weeks. Again, we'll talk about the draft lottery maybe. The, the next show, that it'll be after the draft lottery, May 14th. It'll be after that. See where we pick. Maybe we actually moved up, which would be amazing. Hope, hope we don't find a way to move down, which would be dumb. Uh, looks like we're 10th at the moment. Uh, and we'll talk about uh, the upcoming draft and continue the playoff conversation and ultimately lead into State of the Timberwolves 2019 with the new general manager and the draft pick and the finals and all that. Until next time, take care, everybody, and go Milwaukee Bucks!